Jesus. This day in this house, we declare there is no one like Jesus. And we invite you, the living, eternal word, to come and speak to us now. Your particular word for this hour, for this day, for this moment. Come, Lord, speak to us now. Your servants are listening. Let's just open our hands. Jesus, we welcome you now. King of kings, Lord of lords. Glory to God, we welcome you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Well, this morning on our fourth Sunday of Advent, we continue our sermon series entitled Sola. And just to kind of uh, give us a um, perspective on this particular series, just going to remind you of a quote that I've mentioned each week in the context of as kind of leading into our conversation these mornings. Someone has written that our culture is standing at the crossroads and the signposts have fallen down. Our culture is standing at the crossroads and the signposts have fallen down. And a scripture that has kind of connected specifically to that quote is from the prophet Jeremiah. One of my favorite discernment scriptures is in Jeremiah 6, verses 16, where it says, Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. Now notice there, there are four verbs, four things that we are told to do. We are told to stand, to look, to ask, and then to walk. And if we'll follow in obedience to that discernment process, we will find rest for our souls. Of course, the caution at the end of that verse, which isn't written up here on your screen, but you can find in your Bible, is where Jeremiah says to the people of Israel, but you would have none of it. But my heart desire for us as a congregation here and for our Bethel family of congregations, is that we, we would have it. <laughs> that we would hold it in our hearts. And that we would choose to stand and to look and to ask and then to walk in the ancient paths of the Lord. And so this sermon series, Sola, has been orienting us. It's been giving us some signposts about the five sole on the ancient path. And these five sole come out of church history, out of the season of the Reformation, a time as well, both within culture and within the church, where there was significant disorientation. And so the Reformers brought us back and reminded us of the ancient path of the Lord. And they they had five things that they spoke of, sola scriptura, scripture alone, sola fide, faith alone, Sola gratia, which we looked at last week, grace alone. Sola Christus, Christ alone, that we're going to be looking at this morning. And soli Deo gloria, glory to God alone, which we'll be looking at next Sunday in the Sunday following Christmas. Now, if you've not been able to be a part of this series, I want to encourage you to go to the website, BethelTwinCities.org, and you can download 
any of the messages. There are also CDs and PowerPoints in the back from each of these scriptures. These, they, they're all kind of interwoven threads that together help get us properly oriented towards the ancient path of the Lord. This morning, again, our focus is going to be on solus Christus. And if you have your Bible, would you please turn with me, or you can take out the Bible located right in front of you. Turn to a crucial passage of Scripture found in Matthew chapter 16. Jesus is having a conversation uh, with his disciples. And he says, he comes to the region of Caesarea Philippi and asked his disciples, who do the people say the Son of Man is? And they replied, well, some say John the Baptist, and others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And here's like one of the most critical questions that will ever be asked, not only of the disciples, but gets asked of us. But what about you, he asked, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that Jesus is? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, I don't think this morning that I could overstate the importance of this particular passage of Scripture or the importance of Peter's confession. And in fact, as we're looking at Solus Christus this morning, we need to understand that this became a critical point of reformation and transformation for the church. Because it was here that Martin Luther, as it were, staked his claim about the true reality. And here's where the Reformation and Solus Christus came in to highlight. Because one reading of this scripture could be, and this was the reading that the Catholic Church up to that time had taken as the reading of this particular confession of Peter was... When Jesus says, "Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was revealed not to you, to you by uh, not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven," I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. The church, up to that point, then gave the teaching that it was upon Peter, and then from him the apostolic succession passed down through within the Catholic context through the Pope that became the foundation of the church. So the the Pope. The, 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 the vicar of Christ became the foundation upon which the church was built. But as you understand this text in context and recognize the full teaching of Scripture, I believe that it becomes clear that in fact what Jesus is referring to here is not simply Peter, that upon this rock, Peter, I will build my church. But upon this confession that Peter made, upon his declaration of faith of who Jesus is, you are the Messiah. 
You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. That is the confession that the church is built on. Jesus Christ is Lord. Say it with me. Jesus Christ is Lord. Say it again. Jesus Christ is Lord. Say it again. Jesus Christ is Lord. That is the confession upon which the church is built. This morning I want to unpack that phrase. Very simple this Christmas Sunday morning. Jesus Christ is Lord. His name is Jesus. Yesterday morning or afternoon I had the privilege of sharing at the Himalayan Christian Fellowship Christmas uh, gathering. Uh, we had a wonderful time. I told them a story that I want to tell you this morning, and some of you have heard this story, but if you have, well, bear with me, you'll get to hear it again. Just about 14 years ago, at this time of the year, my wife, Annette, was quite pregnant with our fourth child. And um, at that point, we had three girls, three daughters, who were at the time 16, 14, and 5. And this was back in the day where they didn't do ultrasounds quite as often. In fact, the only ultrasound we ever had with any of our children was with our fourth child. We did have an ultrasound, but we chose. We never knew what we were going to have, boy or girl, um, or anything else. So we, we chose not to know what, uh, what this, this child would be as well. And, and uh, so we had no idea. So we were doing the thing that parents frequently do. Parents go and they look and they, they uh, maybe look through baby books or they do whatever they can do to find out, um, you know, find a name that's going to work for them. And so we, you know, and I don't know how you did it when you were having kids, you know, we'd put lists together and then sometimes we'd write down numbers of how we, you know, a 10 or a 9, is this an 8, you know, we'd do all these things. And so, but we were trying to figure out what the name of our child should be, and we finally settled on a couple names. So we had a name for a boy, a name for a girl, and then one day, and my wife um, helped explicate this to me yesterday afternoon later after I shared the story. It was actually, I, I thought it was at night, but it actually was on a Sunday afternoon after church, she was taking a nap, and as she was taking a nap, she had a dream, and in her dream, she saw a boy, and then someone came and spoke to her and said to her, this is your son, and his name is Noah, and at that point, we knew two things. We knew that we were going to have a son. And we knew that when he was born, his name would be Noah. And sure enough, March 17th of that next year, year 2000, we had a boy, a very large boy. The nurses were taking bets on how much he would weigh, 10 pounds, 7 ounces, for those of you that, yes, he was a large child, still is a large child. And his name is Noah. And his name, and names are important, and I know the Dobolos, when they named their boy, there was importance about the names that they chose. The name Noah 
means rest. And that was in a lot of things. Yes, we were going to rest from having any more children. (laughs) My wife was literally going to rest from her labors. No more. But there was a, there's been a rest about him in our lives and a beautiful just thing that the Lord has done. Well, Matthew chapter 1 tells us about a, a father who had a dream. You know the scripture, but let's just look at it for a moment. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. I'm in Matthew 1.18. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. Now the name Jesus, the definition comes from the Hebrew name Joshua, which means Jehovah or God is salvation. And here, right in spoken to Joseph, Joseph receives the word of the Lord from the Lord that this is your son and he is going to be named Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And it goes on and speaks of the prophetic word spoken to Isaiah that a virgin will be with child, give birth to a son. They'll call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. I love this. One of the powerful realities of the name of Jesus that we remember in this season of the year is that he has come to save us, that he is God with us. You know, all religion is, is trying to wrestle with the reality of how can we be with God, but the reality of Christianity is that God has come to be with us. Where is he when we're hurting? He is with us. Where is he when we are rejoicing? He is with us. Where is he when we're with a whole crowd of people? He is with us. Where is he when we are alone? He is with us. Jesus is the way of salvation. He bears the burden of sin and death for us. His name being salvation. In Psalm 68, prophetically again speaking towards us, praise be to the Lord, to God our Savior, who daily bears our burdens. Our God is a God who saves from the sovereign Lord comes escape from death. So an invitation for us this morning is to trust in Jesus through faith. Receive the gift of salvation, forgiveness of sin, reconciliation with God and eternal life. We looked at this scripture last week from from uh, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. It is by grace that you've been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. Jesus is a gift given to us by the grace of God, not because we're so good, but because of his love for us. He is the salvation, the one who delivers us from the power of sin and death. We must receive him. 
by grace. What is the work of God? The work of God is to believe on the one whom he has sent, Jesus. Second thing we're going to look at here as we unpack this phrase, Jesus Christ is Lord, is his office is Christ. Now, a lot of people, and I know we kind of find this humorous, but a lot of people I really do think believe that Jesus' last name is Christ. His first name is Jesus, his last name is Christ. I mean, how many times do you hear in any given day the phrase, the name, Jesus Christ? Typically not spoke with great reverence, but just very casually thrown out. One good response to that when somebody does say that is is simply, yes, he is. <laughs> yes, he is. Yes, he is. He is Jesus Christ. Now, Christ comes from the Hebrew word Messiah. So as we were reading earlier in, uh, in, our, in our scripture for today from Matthew 16, it the translation there translates it Messiah, which is the same word as Christ, and it means anointed one. And specifically, it means the one who is prophet, priest, and king. Now, in the Old Testament, there were three primary offices, prophet, priest, king. We're not going to take time to unpack all of that this morning. I just want you to note that Jesus, as the Messiah, as the Christ, as the anointed one, fulfills all of those offices. He comes to us as prophet, as priest, and as king. Luke 4, Jesus is just beginning his public ministry. And he goes and he goes to a synagogue and he begins to speak and he unrolls the scroll of the prophet Isaiah and he begins reading these words. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. That word anointed, there's the anointed one. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. To set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, today... This scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. That's pretty direct. This one that you've been, the, the one, the, the, the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one, who's going to do these things, today, right here in this synagogue, Jesus says, right here, right now, that scripture is fulfilled before your very eyes. Can you imagine? I'd have loved to have been there. Wow. Wouldn't that be amazing? The reality is we're here now, and the truth is still here today to speak to you. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Today. Jesus still is. (laughs) The anointed, the Messiah. The long-awaited, yet unexpected, Even John the Baptist, his cousin, who was a forerunner, who was proclaiming, who was speaking about Jesus. After he was arrested, he was put in jail. He's still trying to sort it out. And he's having this conversation, and he sends his disciples to Jesus to ask him, 
So when John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? And Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. In other words, Jesus says, look at all of the evidence and it will declare very clearly to you that the Messiah is here and I am he. And so as he stands before us today in his office as prophet, priest, and king, he invites us to come to himself and receive rest and release and restoration from the true prophet, the true priest, the true king. Remember, the prophet is the one who speaks to God's people on behalf of God and speaks to God. I'm sorry, that's the priest. The prophet is the one who foretells the heart of God and is the one who foretells the purposes of God. Jesus reveals the very heart of God and he foretells the purposes of God on the earth. As priest, he stands before God to intercede for God's people before God and to speak to God's people for God. The priest is that intermediary, Jesus Christus, solus Christus. Christ alone is that mediator between us and God. No other person. Not Bethel Christian Fellowship. Not your parent. No one else stands as mediator between you and God. There is no human being, present or past, who stands before us and God, only Jesus. He's the intermediary for us. And he's the king, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. In Matthew 11, just just a, a little bit later after that conversation with John and and the disciples, uh, and his disciples, and Jesus, Jesus says these words, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. This is a Messiah like none other. That's why he was so unexpected, because he didn't come the way they expected. He didn't come in all, you know, like with this whole incredible gloriousness. But as we've been hearing over and over again this morning, he divested himself of all of those trappings of glory in order to be with us in all of our brokenness. In order to make that way for us to experience life with God. Aren't you glad? I don't know. I'm glad. (laughs) I'm really glad. Let's finish unpacking this morning. And right as we finish up here in just a few moments, we're going to have the treat of the the kids that are going to do something for us this morning as a special closing of the message. But we'll get there in just a few moments. All right. His title is Lord. His name is Jesus. His office is Christ. His title is Lord. What does that mean? 
Well, Lord is the Greek word curious and is used to translate the Hebrew titles Jehovah, Adonai, and Elohim. When you're reading through your Old Testament, you'll find sometimes Lord is the capital L is capitalized and then the O-R-D and sometimes all of it is capitalized. All of those are just cues about what is being translated of one of these words, Jehovah, Adonai, and Elohim. These were the names, the Hebrew names for the Lord. In John 20, Jesus has just, he's just experienced the resurrection. Some of the disciples have seen him, but Thomas hasn't seen him yet. And Jesus comes and stands among them and says, peace be with you. And he said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. There's that confession of faith again. My Lord and my God. He speaks to Jesus of his title. In Acts chapter 2, after the Spirit of God has been poured out on the day of Pentecost, and all the, all, you know, the disciples, the 120 gathered in the upper room, go out into the streets and begin to proclaim the power and goodness of God. And then Peter begins to preach this message. Turn there for just a moment. Acts chapter 2. Uh, Peter is preaching the, the Pentecost day message. And he says in verse 31, seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of the Christ. There is the Messiah again. That he was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus, there's the name of Jesus, to life. And we are witnesses of this fact. Verse 33, exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend into heaven ascend to heaven and yet he said the Lord said to my Lord sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet therefore let Israel be assured of this God has made this Jesus whom you crucified both Lord and Christ his title Lord his office Christ this Jesus there is the whole confession right there Jesus Christ is Lord And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Jesus replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all who call upon the Lord, for all whom the Lord our God will call and be baptized. That's why we're doing a baptism on New Year's Eve. If you've never taken that step, if you've never made the public declaration, Jesus Christ is Lord, whether you're a young person, 10 years old and up, or an adult, and you've never made that public declaration, perhaps that declaration was made over your life by your parents, and you were baptized as an infant, and we would understand that as your parents' faith and desire for you, their dedication of you, as we dedicated this morning, seeking and desiring that you would walk in the ways of the Lord. Yet we believe the scripture is clear that we must personally, with our own mouths, with our own minds, with our own hearts, with our own strength, we must make that declaration, Jesus Christ is Lord, and be baptized in water as a public declaration of that confession of faith. That is the power of repentance which we receive then, forgiveness of sin. It means our life is going a new way, that he is Lord. See, Jesus, as Lord, has the right 
to rule and hold authority over our lives. Nevertheless, as it says in 2 Timothy 2, God's solid foundation stands firm, sealed with this inscription, the Lord knows those who are his. And everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. In a large house there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for special purposes and some for common use. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. There's another word for Lord, master. He is our master. That means he has, again, the right to rule and has authority over our lives. And as master, we are to replicate our lives. We are to duplicate his life in us. He is our example. He is the master copy out of which we begin to see our lives get more and more conformed into his image. So the invitation today is clear. Submit to the Lord and receive full citizenship in his eternal kingdom. Submission is a word that doesn't work well in our culture today because we're way too independent and we're way too, you know, we, we, we're the masters of our own destiny, but the reality is we're not. We need a Lord. We need a king in our life. We need a master. We need someone to rule our unruly hearts. And the fact of the matter is that he Jesus Christ is that Lord to rule in us. As it says in Philippians 2, which was brought out again this morning, both from Liz and from uh, Tom, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. This is kind of after that place of his coming. So here's the, here's the rest of the story. Yes, he divested himself. He completely made himself naked. He completely became God with us. He completely identified with us in our brokenness our, and, 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 and delivered us from sin and death by his crucifixion and then his resurrection. And he was then exalted to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. Say it with me. Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. One day, every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We have the opportunity now to do so willingly with open hearts, with open hands, with open spirit, with open lives. Jesus, we want to submit ourselves to you. I don't know about you, but... I just was telling Pastor Sam when we were talking about the preparation. You know, last year, last week I told you as I was preaching on sola gratia, um, on, on the grace, I felt like I was getting born again again, all right? This morning I just feel like all I heard all week long, and Millie, I just appreciate you when you, I, I just love, I don't know how many times I've heard Millie say these words, don't you just love him? Don't you just love him? And I just want to say that to you. I just love him today. I just love him. 
He's Jesus. He's, he's the Savior. He's Joshua. He's God is salvation. He's the Christ. He's the, he's, the, he's the Messiah, the prophet, the priest, the king. And he is the king of kings, the Lord of lords who reigns and rules eternally. And I'm so grateful that my life is in his hands and that he is, his life is in me. And so this morning, I close with this invitation. What do we do? Pastor Alan Ross shared this a couple of weeks ago on Sola Fide. Powerful message. Romans 10, the word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. With your heart you believe. With your mouth you profess. So this morning I want to make it very clear to anyone who may be visiting with us this morning. I want to make it very clear to those of you who have been coming to this church for 30 plus, 40 plus years. I want to make it very clear that today we as a congregation here at Bethel Christian Fellowship make this declaration, Jesus Christ is Lord. Hallelujah. 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 And as our children come this morning to declare with us, can we say it as they walk in? Say it with me again. Jesus Christ is Lord. Say it again. Jesus Christ is Lord. Say it again. Jesus Christ is Lord. And if you've never made that confession in your heart, if it's never become a personal reality to you, today I encourage you to take that step of faith and make it not just words in your lips, but reality in your heart today. And as our children proclaim to us now, it truly is joyous. And so we say, joy to the world. Hallelujah. 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 Just open up your hands to receive the benediction. Jesse's going to pray a blessing over us. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day, Father God. Lord, we lift our hands to you, Father God. We praise you. We thank you for the great things you are doing in our lives, Father God. And thank you so much for the word you spoke to us, Father God. Lord Jesus, God, fill us with your joy, Father God. Fill us with your joy, Father God. Lord, as we are leaving, Father God, let your protection be with us, God. Let your guidance be with us, God. Lord, let your face shine upon us, Father God, O Lord. Let your hand be with us, Jesus. And bless us in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.